0: Welcome to this episode of the Economic Development Radio Podcast. This particular podcast is produced by Growth Map Infonomics. My name is Togo Zanitwala. I'm the CEO of Growth Map Infonomics and the host of the Economic Development Radio Podcast. This particular podcast, it's aimed at assisting our listeners to get information that they can use in their decision-making processes in their organization and take actions to try and improve That businesses going forward. Today I'm joined by a very special friend, I won't say a special guest, someone that I've known for a couple of years, Mr. Rui Marto. And he'll be telling us more about what he does, you know, from a professional point of view and some of the leadership roles that he holds in the business space of chambers and other activities that is involved in, in this particular country. But today, really, we are interviewing Mr. Rui Marto as the president of the EU Chamber of Commerce and Industry for Southern Africa. Rui, welcome to this particular episode of the Economic Development Radio.
1: thank you so much. Uh, I've wanting to be on your podcast for some time, so thank you for the invitation. Really appreciate it. I love that opening music, by the way. It yeah, just sets the scene.
0: No, thank you so much, Rui. For me, it's going to be an interesting conversation. You know, I think it's always different when you're doing an interview and a conversation with someone that you know, but I'm sure our listeners will benefit from some of the insights that you'll be sharing with us, you know. But before we really go into the interview, for our listeners, you know, let's just give them a sense in terms of who you are as a person, you know, and some of your highlights from a business and a leadership journey point of view.
1: Thanks, Dr. Kizani. So at the core... I'm a practicing attorney. I am the co-founder of Attorneys Martyr, Defeat & Associates. Uh, The areas of specialization of the firm are commercial property law um, and civil litigation. My own specialization has evolved over time. My DNA is really that of a litigator. I'm a warrior (laughs) at heart and um, that can't be taken out of you. Uh, But over the years, I've developed and sort of focus more on the commercial and company side. But I can't help myself. Keep still to the commercial litigation. I enjoy a good fight. But of course, I wear many, 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 many hats. Yeah. And, and um, in terms of uh, highlights, from a professional point of view, of course, one I've enjoyed a number of uh, litigation victories. Um, I'm especially proud that very recently, two weeks ago, we won the award for second nationwide uh, for our recoveries and our collection department by Nedbank, uh, our largest client.
0: Wow! Congratulations on that particular achievement.
1: Thank you. I'm so proud of our team. Really, yeah. really did very well, um, and we normally come in the top three uh, three times over the last five years. So I'm really proud of them. Um, so there's
0: something that we are doing right.
1: I, I would like to think so. Yeah. Um, and then what I'm also proud of is on the commercial side, and obviously with the involvements of the chambers, is that I get to provide both local and overseas investors, a soft landing to the country, yes. a system in terms of setting up right, um, setting in terms of company structures. And uh, why, why I'm proud of that is that I can you know, fly my South African flag in terms of knowing that I'm promoting the country, True. promoting investment in the country, and of course job creation, which we are so much in need of definitely in terms of just other things so um, I do seminars uh, within my specialization I write a number of articles for various publications I um, have appeared as a guest legal expert on radio and I'm soon to extend that to television in an upcoming series and then the two that you touched on already uh, I'm co-founder and director of the South African Portuguese Chamber of Commerce and a director and current president of the EU Chamber of Commerce
0: Thank you so much, Roy. You know, and and obviously we'll touch on board roles uh, in terms of, you know, the SAE CPC um, uh, role as well as the EU Chamber of Commerce and Industry role as well. But before we actually even expand on our conversation, for someone who doesn't understand what is the role of, you know, the EU Chamber of Commerce uh, and Industry in Southern Africa, how do you normally explain the role and the mandate of the chamber?
1: So I think very simply, we like to think of ourselves as the voice of all European investors in Southern Africa. So there's reportedly around a thousand companies set up by EU companies, um, employing around between 300 and 350,000 uh, employees in the country. And the the role of the EU Chamber is really 90% advocacy. So the EU Chamber is a chamber of chambers in which we have seven bilateral chambers as, as our members. Okay. And really the, the U-Chamber then does advocacy work. So we get the feedback relating to our members' members in respect of any impediments to investment in South Africa. And then we take up the mantle for them. What also assists is that every second year we do a business climate survey. And that also gives us straight data that we can rely on in respect of highlighting what the main issues are that are impediments to business.
0: Okay, you know, so you are very evidence-based in terms of, you know, your lobbying and your conversations with different stakeholders, including government. Um, I.e., if some of the policies that are being made by government is making it a bit difficult, you know, for foreign companies to do business in South Africa, you'll be engaging government and lobbying government for changes uh, around some of those particular issues. Is that correct?
1: obviously it helps when you have the data to assist you. Yep. In other words, it's not something that Roy Marto is saying, it's not something that the U-Chamber is saying, it's the feedback that comes directly from the statistics that we, that we highlight. And again, our mission here is not to use it as a stick to beat anyone with. Our, our, our whole purpose is to be constructive in a dialogue, to give the feedback. Yes. we all after the same thing. Yep. We want to have a diversified economy, we want to have job creation and have a successful business in the country. And it's important to give that feedback back uh, so that we can work with the agencies, work with government in terms of trying to improve the situations, um, not only for EU-based businesses, but also for all businesses in the yes, country. Yes, yes.
0: And, and I think that's quite important, Drew, I'm sure government also recognize the importance and the strategic nature of you know the EU investments in the country, my understanding is that you know the EU is you know one of the largest investors and trading um, partner for South Africa basically because of the Economic Partnership you know program that is in place you know between the EU and SADC which really just makes, you know, these trade and investment relationship a bit more predictable and then a bit more stable. Because there's a particular framework that relates, you know, I mean, to the way how we do trade, you know, as a country between ourselves and the EU. Does that really help to so say we do have that partnership agreement?
1: Yes and no. So there obviously is a very strong EU-South African strategic and preferential economic relationship, yeah. which has been around for many, many, many years. Um, so it's certainly one of the longest relationships in existence in terms of Africa and any other economic partner. Um, the relationship in itself, from economic point of view, is embedded in the SADC-EU Economic Partnership Agreement, the EPA. Yeah. Um, and it in, But it includes cooperation across a much wider set of social, environmental, industrial, developmental, and security-related matters. But the core really comes from there. But then we can talk about the the, the numbers in respect of, um, of what that, the relationship entails when you go into the the actual numbers of terms of trade
0: yeah but maybe let, let's talk about some of those particular numbers especially in terms of you know foreign direct investment you know of what percentage of south africa's foreign direct investment does the eu account for
1: so the eu is south africa's largest source of fdi okay the eu now in terms of the latest figures available contributes to 48.8% of all FDI investment in the country. The EU is the South Africa's largest trading partner in goods. So currently, 22% of South Africa's imports from the EU, corresponding to uh, 399.8 billion, and those 22% of South Africa's exports go to the EU, equivalent to 436 billion. We're talking some significant numbers. Yeah. Um, in addition, of course, what that will reflect is that there's a a positive trade balance in favor of South Africa for uh, over the last two years. Just in comparison, China and United States are South Africa's second and third most important trading partners, accounting for 14.5 and 8 percent of South Africa's total trade, respectively.
0: So that's that's quite significant, Drew. I mean, 48.8 percent, you know, of total foreign direct investment flows into the country comes from the EU, you know, countries or companies. Almost 50%, close to 50%. Correct. So, yeah. So it's quite important that government also listens to, you know, what EU companies are saying about the investment climate in this country. But it also says, you know, EU companies have confidence in the South African economy because we keep on seeing, you know, increased investment. Uh, And as you said, you know, contributing to job creation, contributing to foreign direct you know investment benefits from a skills point of view transfer transfer of technology and 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 other things that you know comes with FDI as well
1: but, but I mean what is what is very positive is that it's not only it's not only that is that the figures reflect that it's reciprocal yeah it's not just a situation of a one-way flow of either product dumping or, you know, that, that one part that party gains, gains more than the other. Yes. As we can see, the trade balance is in favor of South it's Africa at the moment yeah. by 46 billion Rand, yeah. uh, which is it's significant. Quite good, yeah. What is also interesting when you <laughs> diagnose the, the EPA and the benefits um, is that there's been a more diverse range of products um, that have been exchanged between the two countries in terms of trade. Okay. And more so than any other trade partner as well.
0: Yeah, which is quite important. Right? Which
1: is what you want because you want the country to be diversified. Yeah. So if one sector tanks out, at least that it's supported by other sectors. Success. Yeah, And this the, the the figures reflect that that's coming through. Okay.
0: Then, Rui, maybe just from, you know, the economic sectors, you know, where most of these investments are going, you know, uh, are we seeing quite a lot in the manufacturing space? Are we seeing quite a lot in the services? You know, just give us a sense in terms of you know where most of the companies are investing in in terms of economic sectors.
1: So according to the stats available to me, 32% of EU firms operating in South Africa are investing in manufacturing, okay. 25% in services, and 21% in wholesale and retail. Okay. Geographically speaking, most are based in Gauteng but also with significant numbers spread throughout the country, including Western Cape, KwaZulu Natal and Eastern
0: Cape. That's that's quite interesting. And I think if we were to just, you know, talk more about the manufacturing, Rui, so that will include subsectors like the automotive, yes. agroprocessing, you know, which are sectors that government is prioritising because, again, they're very labour-intensive in terms of job creation, and South Africa has some sort of incentives in place you know, to support companies that are active in those particular sectors
1: as well. Absolutely. And don't forget that, you know, for for a period f- following democracy, unfortunately, we had really a decimation of the manufacturing sector, which government has now for a number of years been trying to build up. Yeah. So at least these figures are encouraging in that regard.
0: No, definitely. You know, but as you said, Rui, you know, I mean, we do see investment in services as well. Uh, which is quite encouraging because it says, you know, uh, these particular companies are sort of like, you know, diversifying in terms of the kind of investments that they're making. But there are also challenges, you know, not just only for EU companies, for domestic companies, for North American companies, Asian companies that are doing business in South Africa. From your own observation and engagements with the EU companies, what are some of those, you know, top three challenges, for doing business in South Africa.
1: I I can't stop at top three. Uh, I have to list list more than that. Um, Number one item, no surprises there. That prize goes to, of course, energy supply. And the energy supply, uh, or the lack thereof, has obviously been decimating for the South African economy, growing at a snail pace. And and until we get the energy crisis resolved, We're not going to be able to resolve anything else. Uh, the unemployment's going to remain where it is, and the growth in the country is going to remain where it is. So, by far, number one issue is energy supply. Okay. And I just want to go back one step. So, every second year, I, I allude to the fact that we have a survey, a business climate survey. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we part of the survey is we ask companies in terms of reflecting what the biggest challenges are. Ah. Yeah. So the stats, the, sta- the stats I'm giving you, or the answers I'm giving you, are that come from that survey, the last one which was conducted and released in in March of 2022. Okay. So number one, energy supply; number two, corruption; three, political environment; labor costs; economic growth; availability of qualified labor; value of the rand and transport infrastructure. Yeah. But our f- really focus out of those. I think energy supply, labor costs, and transport infrastructure. I mean, at the moment with all the crisis that we're having in respect of Transnet, transnet yes. the you know the fact that we now have to transport all our goods on, on the road, um, obviously has a huge factor from a pricing, from a yes. timing point of view. And that also uh, is a huge crisis. And also what's happening with our ports yeah. needs to be resolved.
0: No, definitely. I think we, even most of our listeners will agree with some of those particular challenges. But as we said, these are challenges that are also facing South African companies and, you know, companies from elsewhere. Uh, The energy crisis, in fact, also impacting on the ability of government from a revenue generation point of view. Because if companies are not able to produce and make money, they are paying less taxes. Of course. You know, and then SARS is collecting less. And when SARS is collecting less, then there is, you know, less money that can be used by government to provide social services. In fact, the Minister of Finance at some point actually pointed out that the country might even run out of money by next year March, you know, just because really they are under collecting. Yes. So the energy crisis really is impacting the economy very badly. So it needs to be addressed. Well, it's impossible for it not to have
1: any, a domino effect. Yeah. Um, as you say, it, it has an impact all the way through yeah. in respect of all, all projects.
0: But we also know that, you know, we do have some few, you know, EU companies, whether it's Spanish companies that are also seeing opportunity in this crisis in terms of renewable energy projects. You know, we've seen quite a lot of investment that are coming from Europe as well because there's quite a lot of technology already in Europe. Europe is far ahead when it comes to issues of renewable energy and alternative, you know, energy sources. Yes, So we can also look at it to say, yes, there is a crisis. But again, some of the EU companies are coming up with solutions and are partnering with government in terms of trying to resolve some of these particular challenges that we are facing.
1: The famous saying is don't let a good crisis go, go to waste, waste yes. right? So <clears throat> I think that whenever there's a crisis, at least usually business provides a solution. Um, it's exactly what you say. So South Africa is actively pursuing now transition to cleaner and more sustainable energy sources, government, even though it sends mixed messages from time to time, has committed to increasing the share of renewable energy in its energy mix, yeah. which presents, of course, an ample opportunity for EU companies that are specializing in renewable energy technologies and infrastructure to give them an opportunity yeah. uh, to invest in the country. And I think as South Africa strives to diversify those energy sources and reduce its carbon footprint, certainly EU companies can play a pivotal role in contributing to this transition. No, 100% Ru, I
0: fully agree. But there are other
1: sectors as well, you know, in terms of other benefits as well.
0: But now moving away from, you know, the challenges and the constraints, looking at opportunities, you know, where do you see opportunities for EU companies and especially maybe which particular sectors are you seeing, you know, a huge interest, you know, from EU companies?
1: Well, as we discussed, renewable energy and sustainability, is definitely yeah. would probably be the, the first one that I would mention. Okay. <clears throat> then, secondly, I think ICT, information and communication technology. Yes. Uh, ICT sector in South Africa is witnessing rapid growth, and it's driven obviously by increasing digitalization and connectivity, and the demand for innovative solutions. So, you companies, especially those specialising in digital transformation, software development, telecommunications, can really tap into this expanding market. And collaborations with local partners and leveraging technological expertise can position EU businesses to address the evolving needs of South Africa's growth, a growing digital economy, without a doubt. And then I think I would highlight also agribusiness and food processing. Yep. Uh, South Africa's agribusiness sector holds immense potential for EU companies um, with a strong agricultural base and a, and a growing demand for high quality food products, opportunities for collaboration in areas such as agricultural technology, Food processing and value-added um, agri products. And I think EU companies can bring their expertise in sustainable farming practices and advanced processing technologies, uh, quality controls and contribute to the development of South Africa's agribusiness landscape.
0: Yeah. And 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 you know, there's always an opportunity for these EU companies to also collaborate with South African companies around new technology development, skills transfer. And global value chain, you know, opportunities as well and integration.
1: Without a doubt, I mean, at the end of the day, we have a sophisticated economy in the country. Yeah, um, it's not that uh, South Africans don't don't have access or come up with their own technological advancements. Yeah. Uh, so it's about leveraging then those benefits.
0: No, hundred percent true. Re- then I just want us to also speak about your other role. You are one of the directors of the South African Portuguese Chamber of Commerce, um, which we are also a member, and we've benefited in terms of you know some of the events that you have hosted, and you know the networking that comes you know with being part of the chamber. But for someone who's not part of the chamber, you know what really is the benefit of joining a chamber like the South African Portuguese Chamber of Commerce?
1: Look, I think there are certain. Benefits that are in common with almost every chamber, yeah. and then I think obviously each chamber has certain specific benefits uh, depending on what its focus is. Um, I think at the core, really, of any chamber is the networking opportunity. Yeah, you know, we have a saying at the SAPCC that every event is a networking event, and yeah. we purposefully always create space for that to happen. Of course, being Portuguese, that always has, must involve food. Yes. So and the two marry well. So f- food and networking. Yeah, um, and we make sure that uh, all our events have food and there's always networking, um, and so that's a crucial part of it. Uh, it's about people getting together, finding out what they have in common, seeing what the business opportunities are. But of course, other elements include business promotion, yes, either through the newsletter, promotional activities, uh, social media, uh, featured spotlights. Um, then other benefits include advocacy and representation. So as I said, through our membership in the EU chamber, we're able to deliver on that role uh, in respect of uh, aspects that, that need to be advocated in discussions with government bodies and other stakeholders. And then there's, of course, a big element relating to educational programs and information and resources. So we often, often provide events that will give valuable information on market trends, economic forecasts, legislative changes, um, research uh, reports that are done from time to time, other publications, and we also have host a number of panel events where we bring experts that you normally wouldn't have access to sure. um, to our members, uh, from top econom- um, economists right through to all sorts of other speakers. Uh, earlier we had the Future of AI event. Uh, I saw that you had Professor Johann Stein on uh, the, your yes. last podcast. Man, um, he was incredible. He, he shocked the the audience in yeah, place yeah, yeah. Um, I think everyone was looking at their smartphones funny after that, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. so but I mean people like him where they just deliver incredible value in terms of the insights that they're able to le- deliver and then I think um of course, we try and also offer some discount and special offers, and we're working on some some uh, specials at the moment for for next year with partners like uh, tug Golden Airlines, for yes. example. Um, and it's important to to get this across. And then our clients also benefit from unique aspects. So, in that Future of AI event, we had Professor uh, Anish Karin from Toronto University of Technology. And of course, that led to us talking and one thing led to the next. And I was so, so impressed uh, with the work being done by that university yeah. and the technology that they're producing. That, of course, I immediately wanted to ensure that our members would have an opportunity to have access to that information. And we are busy collaborating with them and talking about how to best be able to deliver that, that it gives benefits to both parties, whether it's in the form of licensing agreements or or whatever. But, you know, uh, the university's principal objective is not to make money, it's it's really to teach and to educate uh, its students. But while the work that they are doing is world class, Amazing. and it was. It just made me so proud to know that that work is being done in terms of the local universities.
0: Yeah, and then they can partner with companies in terms of commercializing some of that particular technology that they're developing.
1: Absolutely, um, we got to see firsthand. Just two examples: one, a scan that can scan a room or scan a particular face, and it detects what the person's emotion is. With micro scanning of, um, and the idea for it is for health purposes. Is, so, okay. so you could have someone who might be smiling, but you know, be suicidal, for example. Okay. Uh, so it's not, it's not, for example, for the use of lie detectors. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. I can see yeah, your brain, because yeah, yeah. I can see where you're going with <laughs> right. that. No, it's not. I for, like to
0: play safe for <laughs> <through> it. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: it's not for those purposes. Yeah. It's for yeah. for health purposes. You can imagine in a classroom, or university, yeah. right? You scan a. a a lecture room of forty students in front of you. If they're feeling insecure or anxious about the work, it gives that insight to the lecturer. Uh, to, the, to the lecturer, yeah. I'm not saying that they're using yeah. it for, at, for yeah. that purpose. So students who are listening to this, relax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, but yes, that technology is incredible, and and of course you can use it for multiple uses. Yeah. Um, then another uh, a bit the uh, bit of technology that that they're working on revolves around a. A robotic arm, effectively, but it is able to be intuitive using artificial intelligence, yes. which is mind blowing. Yeah, um, where it can work alongside a human and be able to detect in terms of the needs of what is required. It it is the stuff of science fiction.
0: Very interesting. Now, Rui, I know that you know the chamber has had a couple of some signature, you know, events and initiatives, especially this particular year. And you are planning some interesting initiatives for next year as well. Can you just share with our listeners, you know, some of your signature events uh, for 2023, and probably your plan, you know, because I know you guys always plan ahead. Yes, um, as a chamber.
1: So look, we had some really exciting ones this year. Um, we had our first involvement in an event in Cape Town, being the EU Trade and Investment Breakfast, done again with the collaboration of the EU Chamber. Um, and that was a networking event with the Premier of the Western Cape and the Mayor of Cape Town. Okay. Um, and it got um, we had the opportunity to invite some of our Premier members to be able to attend that event uh, held at the the Royal Yacht Club, um, and it really was the start of our commencement going into holding something for the chamber in Cape Town. In town okay. And we're hoping to develop that for next year, starting a, a Cape Town chapter. Okay. And so we are, have a number of plans in place in order to grow that. And we intend to then repeat this event in February next year. What we, what we do is it coincides with the opening of parliament. Okay, um, okay. So it's usually in, in February every year. Yep. Then what's always exciting is the annual multi-chamber speed networking event like speed dating, yeah. right? But for business, right? Speed. So you get five minutes, um, you can't talk to anyone that you already know. And then it's five minutes, two and a half minutes each to tell you about your business. And, you know, if you meet someone who you have no interest, you've, spe- you've spent two minutes. And then we give an opportunity for people to then go back to to people that they've connected with, that that is of interest to in developing that business.
0: Okay, so that, that really sort of put everyone in an opportunity to engage with other entrepreneurs and other members so that you don't come to an event and not network and not talk to someone and explore you know potential areas of collaboration so really it's meant to really assist you know everyone to engage in one way or the other
1: what it does is really assists exactly with that introduction right so it becomes a bit of a game yes but it's a game which can bring big benefits yeah and you know, a lot of people sometimes are, some are more shy, uh, and many times you end up talking to the person you came with. Um, so this really forces you to go out of your comfort zone and you end up engaging with probably between 10 and 15 people on the night. Um, so, and like I said, it's a fun, We we have a dong that goes off and then yeah, you move you on. Move to the move next on. person. Right. Um, but it's quite quite fun. And of course, the fact that it's a multi-chamber event, we engage with our compatriots in Belgium and italian and spanish and uh, and the nordic friends and uh, the, certainly the portuguese chamber members can then in- interact not only with their own members but with members from other chambers okay great um, then as i l- touched on a few minutes ago uh, we had two future of ai events yeah. um, partnering with apsa and for me there's one of my favorite two it was supposed to be a once-off event but it it really, there was so much to speak about and the interest was so high. It was a sold out on, on both times. And we've already had the commitment in terms of having, probably grow it to a half day event for next year. Um, but this topic of, of artificial intelligence is just so important and the impact it can have on your business. Yeah. Um, and of course there are very real fears around it and it's important for business and C-suites especially to understand what role they should play yeah. and being, as Professor Johann Stein would say, having a the human, human centric yeah. approach yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, we co hosted the ease of doing business in Gauteng together with the Department of Economic Development um, of Gauteng and, of course, your previous employer, the GDDA yeah. um, and, uh, and ISAP, the, the trade agency from, from Portugal. Um, and that was. Also very important in that it gave an opportunity for our members to sit around the table with key people from each department. So uh, listening to incentives, uh, issues regarding home affairs and visas, yeah. um, and also a key individuals relating to the BE legislation. Um, so that was important and uh, at least gave people opportunity to speak to people who can actually make a, a difference in terms of decision making decision-making in respect of those processes.
0: Yeah, but, and, and Rumi, if I may just come in there, it just shows that the chamber tend to partner with both private sector companies, but as well as government. You know, whether it's at a national level, you're engaging with the DTIC, the Department of Trade and Industry, or at a provincial level, where you are engaging, you know, with an agent like the housing growth and development agents and the department as well, which is quite important because some of the issues that we are dealing with you know, um, you need government, you know, to come in as well and, and and resolve those issues. You're mentioning issues around, you know, business visas, you know, work permits. That's the space that government operates in. So if you need changes made in terms of, you know, that visa regime, you need to lobe and engage with government. So that's quite important that you also do partner and collaborate, you know, with, with government as well.
1: Absolutely. It's absolutely crucial for us to be that bridge between the two yeah and while we have many collaborations with private institutions various other chambers of commerce obviously our involvement in the eu chamber it's important to have relationships with stakeholders and obviously part of those stakeholders are then government agencies you take a issue like visas you know there's there's such a problem at the moment in respect of and i don't think i wonder if our listeners realize the the potential uh negative consequences sometimes when a single person doesn't get a visa to come to the country there are there are various examples of ceos of, course, of companies yeah. wanting to come invest in south africa and their visa either takes months or they don't get it at all yeah. and that lack of uh issue of a visa then results in investment not coming in and jobs not not being created <laughs> in the country yeah. Yeah. It's startling. One small little, what appears to be a very small thing, lands up costing the country, I think, millions, if not billions.
0: Yeah. But I know, Rui, maybe just um, to follow up on that particular point that Home Affairs has set up this corporate permit unit and they are now trying to address some of these issues. But we just need them to, you know, sort of like stop hurrying up slowly, you know, and and start fast-tracking some of These processes, I mean, the president himself, as part of his own economic reforms, you know, he has said that, you know, government will be paying attention to this particular issue. So let's hope that at some point, really, we're going to start seeing some traction around that particular issue.
1: I've said a number of times, uh, and I know I've said it to you before, Tokozani, that I think the difficulty isn't at the level of the ministers or government or parliament uh, you know, the legislators. Um, the issue, I think, is at the counter, you know. Um, yeah. The person who ends up assessing that application, yeah. they have no skin in the game. Yeah,
0: They you don't know? understand the implications of that. They don't decisions. understand
1: the implications. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they care. Yeah. Um, at least the perception that is created around, you know, the the bungling that you sometimes get and then there's a lack of consistency, consistency. and then, of course, you have a CEO that gets a visa but then his family doesn't get a visa. Yeah. So, you know, How do you
0: explain that outcome?
1: Correct. Um, there's, you know, or, or you get the, the same level of directors that are the three of them in the same company. One will get it, and then the other two don't. Yeah. So these are the difficulties that we face from from time to time. And uh, I think, unfortunately, what is frustrating is that we keep talking about the same things every year. Yeah. You know, when we look at that survey that has been done now for the last ten years, the same top ten. Uh, items come up uh, repeatedly the only difference is that they change in order okay you know so energy has now gone top of the power yeah. which used to be sort of number five or number six in okay. previous years um, and i think that's the frustration is that sometimes one doesn't always see the solution in the kind of time period that one would want okay but i diverged it but i took you on a journey yeah i was telling you about our 2024 um uh, plan Plan as well, yeah.
0: but maybe before yes. before you speak about your 2024 plan, um, please just share with our listeners. You know, uh, one of your greatest event for me was your um, uh, business gala dinner and awards that was recently held as well. Um, do you want to just share with our listeners in terms of you know um, how do you structure such an event and 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 why are you doing such an event as a chamber?
1: well i must say this year was really my spe- a really special event and and i think probably the favorite so far yeah. um, we initially um, it ended up being a blessing but we ended up choosing the date of the world the rugby the world, world cup, cup final. final yeah <laughs> so we had to we had to rethink it a bit and so the best decision we made was to screen the the game at the event yeah. and i'll tell you for me was such and you were there. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you felt it as well. I had my mom, my favorite moment of the night was the real goosebump moment when all 250 of us were standing up singing the national anthem, mm-hmm. supporting the the, the boca. Mm-hmm. Um And wow, that was just so incredible to be able to. It was, you know, it's a unique one-off. We'll never have that again. Um, you know, you. the board jokingly afterwards was saying, geez, you know, for next year, not, we must start and see, you know, which other final that we, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can schedule this for. Yes. Um, but but yes, it created its own challenges, but it really was special. And of course, the reason that we do it is really to, it's so important to create success stories. You know, we, we're always hearing about the negative stuff. Yes, yes. And also, I think for a lot of people, there's this perception in terms of when they look at successful businessmen and successful businesses, that oh the reason they're successful is because of A, B, or C. Either they were born rich, uh, which is not necessarily the case. It's or it's because they they this race or that race. Uh, if only I was born into a rich family. If only I was born into this. Or if only I, you know. And when you hear the stories of these entrepreneurs, man, what you realize is that. You know, there's no substitute for good old hard work. Yeah. And when they talk to you about those origins, you know, so many of them start out. I, I'll never forget the the CEO of ACDC, Mario Mayu. Yes. I mean, ACDC today is the monster that it is, right? Yeah. It is the most incredible business. He started out in his garage. Yeah. He was baking, you know, he talks about it very proudly. We had him, you were you were the MC of that event, the CEO Dialogue. And he tells the story of that he was baking circuits in his stove. I mean, those are the kind of stories we need to be telling. And to for people to realize that, you know, most of businesses start from nothing. And it's just about an idea and hard work. And they then start from, from very little and then they become what they do. And the more we can share those and showcase those stories, then the better it is. Um, and so you know, this year we we highlight and we have different categories. We have nine awards away from young entrepreneur, which is entrepreneurs up to the age of 35, to lifetime achievement, small companies, large companies, international, etc. And it's really important and, and we think we do a pretty good job at highlighting those. And every year I can't but help just be so proud um, because not only are we showcasing the stories we also are reflecting on the diversity that exists and the contribution that these companies make to the South African economy.
0: Quite a very, you know, interesting event, Rui. And as you said, you know, I mean, it becomes very motivational as well. And it gives one hope, you know, to say, if you are working hard. Uh, but again, collaboration, networking, you know, um, being able to know where to source what and, and getting advice, you know, from people who have also just walked that particular journey as well becomes quite important. But then, Rui, then let's let's allow you to just, you know, quickly share, you know, your plan for 2024. But there's something else that I still want to ask you about the chamber before we move towards, you know, the end of our interview.
1: Sure. So the important thing is that next year is our 10th anniversary. 10-year a a anniversary as a chamber. Okay. And so we wanted to really be an extra special one. Yeah. Um, I was talking a little bit earlier when we were offline in terms of our plans for next year's gala. we yeah. got some really exciting big plans uh, planned for that. Yeah, and um, But of course, we have annual events which we're still going to, to host. Uh, those would include um, our annual SAPC Celebrates Women in Business, where we focus, focus on women leadership and women that are in business. We're going to repeat our CEO leadership dialogue uh, again in respect of leadership thought, and this year we're going to have a theme, um, or next year we're going to have a theme in relation to the CEOs coming to talk about the, the recovery of the country. Okay. Um, then we'll ha- we'll continue to have our multi-chamber speed networking event. Uh, that's a must. Uh, we're looking to do to hosting an event on doing business in Angola. Then future of AI business part three. And of course, then now are gone. And then there'll be more more than, more, than that. But I think those will be the key ones.
0: Yeah. I just want you to just, you know, explain to our listeners in terms of those who are interested in becoming members, uh, because they might be hearing that we are Portuguese and we are talking about the Portuguese chamber. If, you know, I'm South African, you're like me, you know, can I join the chamber? Um, can Can you just, you know, talk us through in terms of saying, you know, I mean, the membership is open to yes. South African, you know, companies because I think that's that's quite important. Uh, every time I say to people I'm a member of the Portuguese Chamber, they say, "But how did you become a member?" I said, "No." Yes, you know, um, you approach the chamber once you know that there is such a chamber. So maybe just some few words in terms of you know the but- membership.
1: What is great is that we don't require a Portuguese passport in order yeah. for you <laughs> yeah. to get yeah. a membership. That's what I wanted you to say. Um, <laughs> so, so we welcome everybody. You know, it's about creating a, a platform for networking doing business. Yeah. Um, while, of course, you know, the chamber has various levels, and for us, of course, there's that bilateral trend element. Yeah. Um, we have interactions with both the Portuguese uh, Embassy in South Africa and the South African Embassy totally. in Lisbon, yeah. and uh, we do a number of things together. And there, that element always continues. But at the core, in respect of that networking, is we want to do business, and we yeah. want to do business with everybody. Yes. And you know, it's nothing like a Portuguese party, so um, you know, <laughs> we we like to do we like to interact with everyone, and we want to do business with everybody. So everyone is welcome. And then the the membership fees, what as a as a strategic decision, is that we like to have them low. We want to attract people, so the, they start as low as a thousand two hundred rand for for micro enterprises yes, and yeah. individuals. Um, and then there's obviously there's some premium packages as well, which go for for greater.
0: Yeah, and the great thing is that once you've paid your membership fee, most of your events tend to be free for members.
1: Correct. So almost all our events for members are free, uh, with the one, one or two exceptions, including our our gala.
0: Okay, great. We just one difficult, you know, question. If I may say, it's a difficult question. Next year, it's not an ordinary year in the country. It's election year you know, for national and provincial government. What is your outlook? You know, um, in an election year, there are a lot of uncertainties that will normally come with that. Uh, what's your outlook, you know, as someone who's working with, you know, both European uh, companies and Portuguese companies and someone who has been in the country and who's doing quite a lot, you know, in the business space? What, what's your outlook like for next year?
1: Look, I think our members recognize that Elections are in, inherently introduce a level of uncertainty. Um, I think up to now there's been a level of consistency around sort of the election results in the country, and there's been no surprises. But I think that for the first time ever, there is a expectation. If the the reports and and stats that I've seen in, this, in the pre-election surveys ought to be believed, that. The NC government may dip under the 50% mark for the first time, which would mean that it would put us in an unprecedented position. We would have to have a coalition government at a national level. At a national level. Yeah. Now, the reason to worry is that coalition governments at local level have proven to be fraught with difficulties, in this country,
0: unlike in Europe.
1: Yes. And again, it's new to us, right? So in Europe, there's an expectation. I think there's very few countries that don't have coalition governments. Yeah. And there's a great, a great degree of stability around it. But in this country, we don't know what to expect. Um, if the local coalitions are anything to, to go by, it doesn't bode well. And we hope that there's a level of maturity by whoever gets elected that can put the country first. Having said that, I think our members recognise how resilient business is, and, and sometimes, and sometimes you have to block the noise. And I'm talking the noise that comes from politicians. Um, of course, I'm expecting the, th- the three months prior to, to elections to be a little bit of a circus, you know. And you were going to get people grandstanding and creating yes. fear and looking effectively to divide us um, rather than unite the country. Uh, but we hope that again that there can be a level of maturity and. As I said before, politicians putting the country first.
0: Now, Rui, as we move towards the end of our interview, just last question from me. What advice do you normally give to an EU company that is interested in doing business in South Africa or investing in South Africa? I think for me, the
1: key element is do your homework and your due diligence. Yeah. First of all, sometimes it's a minority, thank, thank goodness, but sometimes there's a level of arrogance that comes through from international investors in terms of which they think that somehow they're going to teach us something and i think that they learn very quickly that they're surprised by the level of sophistication of the south african economy, economy yeah. so if you are an overseas investor thinking you're onto the next big thing and that you're going to somehow teach uh, business in south africa i think you know take two and be prepared. But it's like anything else in life. You know, when you start something, do your homework. Yes. Is there an opportunity? What is the market like? And then take legal advice. What is the best structure? Take yes. tax advice. How should I set up my business? Do I need B E? Don't I need BE? Yeah. What sector am I going to What are the opportunities created? Don't just, you know, what I call the parachute approach. You yeah. know, jump out of the plane, here I come and expect things then to just go well. It normally doesn't.
0: Okay. So a very practical advice there. Rui, thank you so much for making time and for sharing your insights with us. Um, I think most of our listeners will find this particular interview, you know, very informative. But most importantly, thank you so much for what you do uh, for our country in terms of your contribution, you know, as the president of the EU Chamber of Commerce and Industry for Southern Africa, as well as the director for the South African Portuguese Chamber of Commerce. Uh, as I've indicated during our interview, you know, I've experienced the great work that you do uh, as a person and obviously the collective in terms of you know, the directors of the chamber, and you know the openness of Portuguese companies and EU companies to engage and collaborate with South African companies as well. I always find that you know there is that element you know of willing to collaborate. Um, and I know the Chambers also you know embarked on other initiatives. Where you take South African companies abroad as well and especially to Portugal to say there are also opportunities for South African companies, you know, to invest and do business, you know, in Europe or in Portugal for that particular matter. So we really appreciate everything that you do, the collaboration that you are having with government and other private sector partners. And I'm hoping that some of our listeners will visit the chamber's website, learn more about the chamber. And hopefully, you know, just uh, attend one of the events of the chamber so that they can experience what it's like to be a member and what happens to some of these particular events that you normally host as a chamber as well. So thank you so much, Rui. And we wish you all the best in everything that you do. Tokusani, thank you
1: so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the kind words. And again, we really value the collaboration over the years that we've had with you. You've been a key key member, key stakeholder in terms of also assisting us with the work that we do. Um, And again we've partnered so many times in terms of really trying to do the best for this country, increase investment, create jobs um, which is really a key and fundamental aspect which we need so much. So thank you in turn.
0: Thank you so much Rui. Until our next episode, I hope you do enjoy this particular interview with Rui Marto but we'll be engaging in our next episode. Thank you so much. Cheers everyone.